Thanks for joining us for Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are a fellowship committed to knowing community as God's family and sharing the food from our table with others. Every member of Christ's family should be well-nourished from God's Word, and in that Word we find all we need to live good and God-honoring lives. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. And now here for a brief introduction is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. Rahab was a harlot living in Jericho, the city set apart by God for destruction. And there in that city, this woman is brought to faith in the one true God. As we will repeat here in just a few moments, she is a brilliant example that Christ has come to save sinners. Sinners just like us. When the Jewish spies who are sent out by Joshua arrive in Jericho, they go to the home of Rahab the harlot, and it's a place where they would have not brought suspicion upon themselves because it would have been the normal place that wicked men, the wicked men of that territory, would have gone to, a place just like that when they were traveling through the area. And when these men arrived there, they would have never thought or never imagined that they would find in this house Rahab, and in Rahab, one who had come to true faith in the true God of Israel, but they did. And this is the reality. This reality is all the more remarkable when you understand and consider the moral darkness that was in Rahab's own life. Rahab has chosen a life of degrading sin and given herself to the most defiling occupation, and yet God has chosen Rahab for himself nonetheless. By her own choice, she has lived a degraded and polluted life. And yet God worked to bring her to faith and bring to her the gift of his salvation where she would be washed of her sins and set in his family. The repeated references in the Bible to her former way of life is not somehow God seeking to put some scarlet letter upon her to denounce her past. Instead, it's a mark of how wonderfully she was saved by the grace of God from what she once was. It's an expression of what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. There Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. In other words, he's saying, this is something all of you should heartily agree with. That Christ came into the world to save sinners. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul can't resist himself. Of whom I am the chief. Actually, it should be quite obvious to you when you read the story of Rahab. And it should be quite obvious to you when you read 1 Timothy 1.15. All of us are sinners. But very often what God does is he brings into his family that individual who is outstanding in their sin. That individual whose life is so sunk in degradation in order that all of us sinners may understand the outstanding nature of God's grace. While I was in Brazil, Pastor Alexander Alexandre, my interpreter, shared with me a photo of one of the men that he's discipling who he's led to Christ. He has a little church of about 40 individuals. He's been laboring there for about 13 years. For the first two years, 
he preached with his wife as the only person who listened to his sermons. And the first Sunday that this happened, he said, let's just go home and wait till next Sunday. She said, no, there's coming a day when God will allow our church to grow and I'll re- be responsible for looking after the children. So however long until that time, just preach to me. So for two years, basically, he preached to his wife. Now there are about 40 people that have come to Christ in the fellowship. And one of them is a man who was a part of the police that ruled a favela. Now, when you say police, you might think of something that's quite comforting, but these are police that are set up within the gangs of the favela, and basically they're the individuals who rule the favela to shake it down and make sure there's just enough order that they can rob and thieve and steal all they want. And his job basically was to be a part of the execution squad that governed that favela. It's the city of God as the favela which they rule in, and maybe you've heard of that before. It's notorious for its danger and for its corruption. And he showed me a picture of this man, and he told me an interesting story. He said, you know, just a week ago or so, this man had his sister come, and she was staying with him. And while she was staying with him, she began to manifest a demon. And as she manifested the demon, she spoke to him in a voice that was not her own voice. And the voice said, you cannot be a Christian to him because you like to murder people. And he came to him to tell him what had happened. Well, it's a lie. It's a lie that is revealed to us in the name that the Bible oftentimes gives to Rahab. Rahab the harlot. It's a lie because God has come, Jesus Christ has come into the world to save sinners. The story of Rahab blares out to us this message and confirms this message that Christ has come into the world to save sinners, to redeem them and reconcile them and bring them to himself. One of the sweetest and most gentle men that I've ever met in India, in the city of Haridwar, is a man that was led to the Lord when he was working on constructing a home that our church had helped actually finance and provide for the pastor that we work with in that city. And as the man was working, he was wonderfully saved through the witness of the pastor that we support there, Pastor Surrender. And after the man came to Christ and believed in Christ, the man was so rejoicing, and yet he came to him and asked him if God could forgive him of every sin. And he said, well, what sin do you think God can't? forgive you of. And the man revealed to him that he had murdered a number of people. Could God forgive me of all of that? Yes. God can forgive you of everything. He's one of the most faithful disciples in that fellowship, in that church. Here is a worthy saying of all acceptance that Christ has come into the world to save sinners and Rahab is an expression of this. And Rahab came to God, this is the amazing thing, folks, she came to God while in her sinful occupation. It's not as though through a course of enlightenment, through a pathway of moral improvement, she came to some point where God all of a sudden revealed himself to her and he became known to her and she came to faith. No, God and grace found her and found her in her sins. And by the way, that's exactly how he finds you. If you think that somehow you've come to the fellowship because you went through some process where you find yourself to such a place that you rose to your point to such a place where you were able to acquire some spiritual knowledge that brought you salvation, how wrong you are. How possibly you may still be in your sins. Because when God saves us, He finds us in our sins. He speaks to us in the midst of our degradation and our defilement. 
He begins to make himself known to us just there. He sets his call upon us and he works to draw us in faith while we're sinners in our sins. Romans 5.20 puts it this way, where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. Out of our moral darkness and blindness of our own choosing and our own sin, God reaches down and sends a shaft of light to bring us into faith. And Rahab is a woman who has wallowed in moral darkness, and yet God reaches her before any contact, listen, before any contact with the people of God. Now, isn't that surprising? Alexander told me of his own story, and I thought I'd use him as our illustrations this morning of how he came to Christ. When he was born at the age of five, he had a sister who was three, he had a brother who was just born, and the people in this community that he lives in are given to the occult and all kinds of occult practices. When his younger brother was born, his mother, after that changed, it became apparent that she was possessed by a demon, and she had no control over herself. She used to literally wander around the streets without clothes on herself. She'd come back to the home. The children had no one to care for them. The father would work all day long to provide for them, come back, provide for the children, provide food for them for the rest of the day, and then he'd leave again for the rest of the day. And he grew up that way from the time he was five years old until he was 18 years old. And from the time he was five years old, he lived on the streets of the favela that he was born into. His mother used to take him regularly to places where there was these occult practices, where he saw them offering sacrifices of chickens and goats and other things, and where they would actually call upon various demons to manifest themselves. And they did all kinds of bizarre behaviors that were overwhelming. And it was during that time as a little boy that he began to conclude that evil was a real thing, that there was a real spiritual force of evil that could not be denied because he was seeing it from the time he was a little boy and as he grew up observing all these things. But now here's the incredible thing. Also, when he was a little boy, he was watching a cartoon. Get this, how God begins to communicate truth to us. And in the cartoon, there's that scene. We've probably all seen it if we've all watched Looney Tunes. There's the scene where there's a little angel on one shoulder, and there's a little devil on the other shoulder. And he was watching, and he realized, well, wait a second. If there is real, genuine, spiritual evil, then there has to be genuine, real, spiritual light and good. That's all he knew. And then one day, when he's 18 or 20 years old, on the streets of his favela, an evangelistic team arrived from the United States, and they were preaching on the streets, and they had been for some months with nobody responding. And my friend heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and immediately knew this is the goodness This is the reality of spiritual truth and light that I've never understood. This is the reality. I've seen the reality of evil, but I've never seen the reality of goodness and light. And he immediately went to the people who were preaching and they shared the gospel with him. And on that night, he believed and gave his life to Christ and was wonderfully transformed. And actually, right after that, in the following week, they came with him back to his home and they brought deliverance to his mother and she was in a sound mind after that. How wonderful. How profound. How God graciously reaches us in the midst of the depth of our spiritual darkness and surrounded by spiritual evil and as well. Her faith is surprising when you consider that spiritual darkness that Rahab was surrounded by. Rahab's darkness was not only the darkness caused by the choice of her own sin, but it was the darkness all around her because of the society, the sinful society in which she lived in. Think about it. We live in a world and we can complain about the darkness and the moral decay of our country, but... 
You have access on a daily basis, and so does everyone else in our community, to messages of the truth and of the gospel. It's put out by their neighbor. They are surrounded by the prayers of Christians all around them. They can't hardly escape it if they scroll their way through the radio on their television. It's all around them. But Jericho had no access to the written word of God. They had no access to the spoken word of God. They had no access to prophets proclaiming God's truth to the people. There were no other people in the whole city who had faith in him. Although they had and they could look and see in God's creative order and expression of God's power and his might, they had nothing of his special revelation revealing himself. She and Jericho were surrounded by darkness and by a people who were lost in darkness. And God spoke to the heart of Rahab and communicated to her the light of truth. And she believed. It's amazing. It's surprising. It's wonderful. There is no way to explain the faith of Rahab as some personal acquisition of her own unique moral and spiritual enlightenment. There's no way to do it. She had no greater capacity of reason than any others. She had no higher principle of moral thought than any others. Her life was dark. Her world was dark. God in grace in loving, electing grace, took her who was not the people of God and not the people of faith and made her one of his holy ones. And the same goes for you. And thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We meet in the Old White Church on the corner of East State Street and Walnut Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. Our family worship begins at 11 o'clock Sunday mornings. You're welcome to come share with us our feasting on the bread of life. Until the next time, may God bless you.